Red on Red. This week on the podcast, we're talking with Quangodelic band leader and general man about town, Patrick Allett, a.k.a. DJ Expat. Just be 
yourself. dose of Corkonian funk there with Shukra with most recent single Flex and Quangledelic with Be Yourself taken from their upcoming self-titled debut album releasing this weekend this is Red on Red Cork's new music podcast dropping every Wednesday evening via Cork's Red FM and redextra.ie we're also available on Apple and Google Podcasts Spotify and other podcasting platforms my name is Mike McGrath-Brien and this week Speaking of Quangledelic, we're joined in studio by bass player, hoarder of funk cats, and an established DJ in his own right in the city, Pat Allett, a.k.a. DJ Expat. Welcome aboard, people. Thanks a million for coming along. Big weekend for yourselves. You got the launch gig at the Kino on Friday. Kino on Washington Street for your, your brand new record. Yeah, we've got, we've got three launch dates. We're doing Kalani and Waterford as well, and we're really looking forward to seeing all those people. But it's great to get to play out the new album in front of you all in Cork because it's the court crowds that have made us. It, we've, uh, it's like 
however good a band is, it's always about how good the crowd that comes to the gigs is. And some amazing people come to see us, and we just love playing for them. So big love goes out to each and every one of you who've, who've supported us all, over all this time. And big love actually goes out to Sunita from Shukra, because she's a total legend herself. Have you heard of DJ? I have heard of DJ. DJ Helicopter Parent. Yes. I mean, Ooh. what a top name for a DJ. I Isn't mean, it? Like, come on. But that Diffract crowd, uh, with whom you've worked as well in other yeah, capacities, yeah, yeah, yeah. have fantastic DJ names as well. Wouldn't they have a DJ TV license inspector there the last day as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the more stupid the name, the better, really. And I mean, when it gets to stupid names, Diffract win. They do. They're definitely the community's nightclub. In totally, 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 totally. <laughs> um, but before we get on to Quango and all of the, you know, the creative experience that is being part of Quangle Delic, because there's a lot there to it when we, when we get into it. Um, and you yourself are a wealth of experience in your own right, uh, having played and DJed for years and years and years. And yeah, so we do the CV, right? So, like, CV-wise, uh, I've, yeah, well, DJed, I've, DJed, I've DJed on a couple of pirate stations in Dublin back in the day. Okay. I DJed in a few places in England like the Lad Mill and the Limit Club in Sheffield. I've played in, I guess, about sort of 10 or 13 different bands. Uh, but I kind of started out in a, in a band that was like fairly successful from my hometown in Rotherham. And yeah. we kind of just got to a stage where it was all going brilliant. And then uh, various things happened. And I, at the end of it, the guy that was managing the band uh, was running a mortgage advice company. And uh, it was the height of the crash. And he ripped off a load of money out of his company and went to Maynooth, set up a 24-track recording studio and disappeared and changed his name. And I came over to record an album with him. That's kind of how I ended up initially coming to Cork. That's when I came over. Uh, that was in Maynooth, right? Then after that, I was in a band in, in Dublin. And I've kind of done, done a fair bit of DJing. I worked as a, as a promoter for a little while, and I was awful. And I, massive and huge respect goes out to... Uh, you know, all of you guys that are promoting in Cork, it is not an easy job. Uh, and I have massive respect for all of them. Speaking of promoting, this is kind of where, you know, your paths kind of cross with the Cork music scene a little bit in that moving here and coming up with the idea for Quango Delic, a funk collective kind of drawn from the genre's history and heritage and then kind of transplanting it in the, you know, the idiosyncratic surrounds of Cork City. Um... You kind of started like a residency in the Roundy that was kind of presented more as a DJ night, but that was more so of a kind of promotional tactic, wasn't well, it? Well, no, the point was that like I, I, there were some really, really, really good DJ nights like Monster Soul and the stuff that Ian Fiasco does. There were loads of really, really good DJ nights and they, the posters always looked a particular way. So I just started using the same style poster for the stuff we were doing. And we'd always have me DJing to start off with. And then nobody would come upstairs until the band started, and then all of a sudden they'd be rammed. So it kind of became a pretty obvious pretty early on that it was the live stuff that was working. And when you crammed that many people into the roundy, it's, it's a bit special. Mm. Uh, and they were really, really, really good nights. And, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there are people out there who actually came to some of them, and like, they were really good. But the whole thing about that was that like, it wasn't just about a band. It was, I'd gone through, I'd, I'd kind of done a lot of stuff that was kind of on the borderline between DJ and band. Yeah. And the stuff about Quango is that Quango is very much a dance band. I mean, we are like making music for people to dance to. I mean, different types of music 
do different things. I mean, people who can do a really good ballad and can make the whole pub cry, they are amazing, and I massive respect to them. But that's not what we do. What we do is make music that you can dance to. So if we, if we fit in amongst DJs, then play amongst DJs and run it like that. Mm. So all, from the very start, I was kind of trying to present it more as a kind of dance night. Inside of the Roundy, which at the time was under the, the management of Moray Bresnahan and Goldie Fish Events, kind of allowed you the freedom to come up with the project and kind of make the mistakes, but also shape it in your own mould uh, in order to k- kind of take the project forward. What was it like working with the Roundy and Goldie Fish Events, uh, kind of in the middle of a really kind of creatively fertile period where maybe it was kind of underestimated? Because aside from yourself, there was the Monster Soul Nights, there was the drone stuff that was happening in there, there was some really good world music and folk nights as well. Talk to us a little about your experience with the Roundy and there. So, I think the, there were some really good nights on in the, in the Roundy at that stage, and there's some really good bands coming up at the time. And, I mean, we were just, like, things take time in Cork. I think... If you do, if you if you if you walk in somewhere in Dublin and say, oh, "I'm brilliant, I'm brilliant, I'm brilliant," give me a gig. You, some people can actually get gigs really fast and get stuff happening really fast, and then they kind of die really fast. Whereas here, people, we're a bit less trustful of people when they say, "I'm brilliant at this." Like if you've been at it for a while, it'll build. So what we did is we just did the best music we possibly could, and just kept at it and didn't expect it to happen straight away. And it didn't, but it has happened because we've just kept at it. And it's like when you do something as joyful as playing with 10 to 15 people with a big horn section where you're all just on your own buzz and you are kind of the party, it's going to spread. People are going to get it. It's, if you're playing as a kind of two or a three piece to about three people, it doesn't work. But if Quangadelic show up somewhere and there's one guy and a dog, that guy and the dog will come back next time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it do, it's just because it works. And in terms of the support then, in terms of getting the idea off the ground in the first place and working directly with Moria, who you know had had a huge amount of experience in everything from City of Culture to the markets to the regular booking of the roundy, uh, what was he like to deal with in terms of getting the idea off the ground and developing it further? Well, Murray just left us alone and let us on with it. I mean, we were we were kind of playing like black exploitation films in the background, so like a certain number of people were kind of thinking of us as uh, of us as the band that plays porn, you know, because there's always a dodgy scene in those types of films where, you know, and it, it was kind of like he left us away with it and let us off with murder, and he's just such a gent, he really is. And, like, the Roundy is such a great venue Mm. because it's so small and you're, like, right up against the audience and there's no separation. And I kind of feel that what we're doing isn't about just the band. It's about the band and the audience. And, I mean, actually, venues where we're really up close with the audience and they don't feel excluded by this big stage or by this big gaping hole between us and them. I think those kind of venues work really, really, really well for us. So the process then of developing stagecraft in the context of Quangledelic, because it's it's hard not to get a good boat going inside of the Roundy, anywhere upwards of 20, 30 people and the places rammers, uh, but also with yourselves then commanding that much attention and taking up that much real estate when it came to the floor of the <laughs> venue. Um, maybe talk to us a little bit about 
you know, interactions between the band and gig goers, like in that room specifically, kind of what were your takeaways when kind of taking Quangodelic kind of out to other venues from the Roundy in terms of how you're interacting with people a lot of close spaces? It was just so nice when we got stuff in the crane lane and there was enough space on the stage for us, you know, like really. Uh, no, it's, it's, we, we kind of, we've done a lot of, a lot of gigs in a lot of other places and it's all worked. And it's like, we've had an awful lot of people who've said to us, are you actually going to fit? Like, and it's because we've come from the roundy, like, we know we can squeeze it together somehow. And it's like, we do kind of, you know, like, you can end up, everybody tries to avoid getting stuck in front of the trombones, because when you've got three trombones playing in your ear, you can't hear very much apart from trombone. So, like, uh, yeah, it's it's been really a, a joy to play with this band, because we have squeezed into some really small spaces. We were talking uh, just last week or two weeks ago uh, for a separate interview, which you can now read on echolive.ie ahead of this weekend's show. And we're talking a little bit about your background that aside from Quangodelic or just before Quangodelic, that you had done a lot of kind of indie slash goth DJing stuff um, in Sheffield and in other uh, towns around the UK. It must have been some world of difference to land in Cork and to be able to just kind of as you stated, get away with murder. Mm. Yeah, no, totally. Well, I mean, I, like, Cork really reminds me of Liverpool um, and actually Bristol in that, like, both of them are ports, so both of them are quite open to the rest of the world and both of them are quite open to new ideas coming in. So, like, Cork was the first place in Ireland that got drum and bass mm-hmm. way before Dublin even realised it existed. There were people playing drum and bass in this town. And Cork's always been quite open to people from outside coming in. Uh, so it was it was a lot easier to get stuff off. on. And, like, Liverpool's the same. It's like people are just interested in whatever it is you want to do. If, you, if you're just yourself, if you're an original who's just doing what you want to do and it's not necessarily following whatever trend, then, you know, it'll, it'll work here. People have got time for you. Speaking of people having time and making things work, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the process of assembling something of a fully functioning lineup. But first, we're going to go straight to some tunes. Earlier, we heard from yourselves and Shukra, and we're heading straight into another project that you're involved in, uh, psychedelic rock trio Crab Seal Teeth with Incinerator. Yeah, this one's uh, going, uh, it's for the uh, anti-incinerator campaign in Cove, and good luck to all of them. And this is myself, John Adams, and Dara O'Brien. Uh, playing some heads down rock and roll stuff, and we also have the grunts. Speaking of heads down rock and roll, oh, if there's it feels no good. more heads down rock and roll than the grunts. Total legends, absolutely no nonsense. Heads down rock and roll with crab seal teeth and incinerator here on Red on Red.
The Grunts with If It Feels Good from their Cult Before Country album here on Red on Red, still joined in studio by Pat Allett of Quangodelic launching their self-titled debut record this Friday night at the Kino. Doors are open at 8 o'clock and admission is absolutely free. Grab a copy on LP if you can. We'll have more from the record a little bit later on, but uh, Pat, we were talking before the jump about having been at the Roundy and the kind of experience and the creative freedom for which it allowed. But another big part of, I suppose, your introduction to Cork music was kind of feeling around the scene and seeing who was down for participating in the project and, you know, the idea of an open collective playing this kind of stuff. Was that always the intention? Was it always going to be kind of a more tightly run operation? Well, no. You see, when originally what happened is I sort of started to get a bit of a funk band together with some mates and it was a bit of a kind of let's cope with separating from our partners thing because like we were all kind of late like in our 40s and uh, you know had kids and and it was like it was bizarre actually i mean it was like there were four of us in it and the guitar player uh, was rather into the idea of making as much money as possible because uh, he wasn't actually managing to make very much money out of doing traditional music so the whole point was that we were going to be a four piece we were going to concentrate on like we were going to write original songs and we were going to make a fortune and then he would could retire from doing trad stuff uh, that hasn't actually happened <laughs> now as soon as he left the band uh, I I, I kind of thought I, I what happened is I bumped into like Ian who was the guitar player at the time introduced me to Jen who was at that point working at, uh, at Cash Constrictors uh, or cash connected, <laughs> um, and so we, we we got we got Jen into the band, and then straight away after that, I, I bumped into Smiley, who I used to play with in Halfman Park Bicycle, and like Smiley was, are you still doing that funk band? And I was, uh, and then it was like, ooh, ding, 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 like really good guitarist. Uh, yes, we are. Come in, come in. And after that, it was kind of I I just hit this. Like, who cares if we make money? Like, who cares if... It, like, let's just have fun. Let's just get as many people into this as possible and let's make it happen. And let's get it more like quite, uh, like like Parliament Funkadelic where you've got... Uh, like, if you want to do a bunch of Sly Stone stuff and you've only got one singer, you have to be a pretty good singer to be able to play, sing harmony to yourself and do six different voices. So, like, let's get all the singers in. Let's get all the horn players in. Let's just be open house... And make this thing like, and that's when it started working, really. I mean, big love goes out to Ian because he was a total joy to play with. But like, it was like after we'd stopped trying to be a professional unit that was going to make money, once we let go of that one and let go of being cool and let go of like ever making it, yeah. once we let go of all of those silly pretensions and got on, got into actually making the music we really wanted to make with the size band that we really want to make it with. Once that happened, then it started to work. Isn't that one of the great ironies of um, hitting your stride as it eventually kind of comes with the inevitable letting go of kind of that goal-oriented mentality? But once you kind of have those 10 to 15 people kind of coming in and out, different people occupying different functions at different times, etc., it then becomes a matter of herding cats in that... You know those first couple of gigs where you're still kind of solidifying that lineup and kind of finding those working well, relationships. To be honest, the lineup's been fairly stable. I mean, like like Jan and Smiley have been around for the whole thing. They are both amazing guitar players, 
I mean, we, we had Darren Ray jumping in on one tune on the album as Not well. Not Stephen Ray as per <laughs> usual. Sorry, Darren. <laughs> Sorry, Darren. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, it has been... We have had a good few people come and go. But, like, say, Morgan, one of our singers, is now in Manchester. And big love goes out to him if he's listening. And we're missing him. And Alberto's now moved to Sardinia, who was another of the singers. But but pretty much it's been it's been a lot more solid lineup wise than like a lot of bands I've worked with but the point is that these are all people who are really really good so they're all getting they're all really really promiscuous musicians they're all playing in a lot of different bands so normally what happens with a band is that like you know if somebody can't make a gig then you have to cancel but with us it's like if somebody can't make a gig we just do it anyway and like make do and then I don't lose these amazing musicians that I would otherwise... If I was going to do that James Brown thing of, you make my way or the highway, if you don't make a gig, you sacked, then, you know, I'd be losing these amazing players. And that's the thing, is that, like, it's a community. It's like, Quangadelic are a group of people, and we're all human beings. None of us are perfect. We all have our flaws. And we all kind of make up for each other's, other's deficits and operate in this like amazing way and once i kind of let go of like trying to be a control freak and trying to impose upon everybody exactly what they were going to do and trusted them to know what like what the best guitar part was or how to like what bits of vocals to chuck in there once that happened it all started to gel once things have kind of settled down a little bit and Quangodelic has been kind of doing a mixture of your own original pieces that you've been writing and slowly bringing together and some of the funk and soul standards of the time. What was it like bringing your ideas to 10 to 15 different heads and seeing 10 to 15 different perceptions or ways and means of these happening? We'll talk a little bit about how this translated to record a little bit later on, but just in the moment where you're getting these ideas and you're putting them down and playing them out live for the first time. And what was that like? Well, I tend to, like, the, 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 the modus operandi has always been that I'll kind of sit down at home and get together a really, really just a rough demo where I've got, like, the horn part arranged and written down and I've got the chords sorted out and then I'll bring it to the band and they may do this sort of guitar part that I wrote or they may do their own thing. And, like, whatever works stays. And if you know if certain harmonies that i put in originally but i mean it's it is quite finished when it comes in like certainly from the point of view of the horn parts because like you can't have five people just jamming and get that working that's a separate type of thing yeah the vocals like sometimes people have ideas of vamps and stuff to chuck in and if they do great it works uh but the thing was that, like, the before I got the bigger band together, I was doing totally originals. I wasn't doing any covers at all. So was it a matter of just kind of playing covers to get tight? It was a matter of playing covers to get gigs, because, like, the point was, I've never actually said, like, we are doing originals to any of the venues. I've always just said we are a funk band, and we've ah. done a lot of fairly obscure covers. So it's easy to sort of think that like maybe the ones that are original are actually covers that they haven't heard mm. like i was playing one of the tunes on the radio show yesterday and uh jim who was coming in said oh that's 
that's the injury, isn't it? And it wasn't. It was one of mine. You know? <laughs> and I've never been so complimented. Thank you so much, Jim. So, like, that's the thing. I've never actually said... I mean, people were always really confused as to what were the covers and what were the originals. And I've never kind of signposted, OK, we're going to do an original now. Look, listen to how clever I am. Because why would you? I mean... I hate people who do that whole standing on stage and as an artist, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it just, you know, I, I just want to play the songs to people. And I've got, you know, we, I, when the tunes I come together with are written for this band because I know what will work well with them, I hope. And sometimes when I don't, they're pretty good at changing things so it does work. And it's like... You know, it, it's like I write better for other people for a particular setup, and it's been great fun writing for this band this way. We were also talking a little bit about kind of the open nature of the Cork scene and kind of how you found a little bit of solace in that, but you also found something in the way of kindred spirits. Before we started rolling, we were talking a little bit about your adventures in the drum and bass scene. You know, you started going to other gigs around the place and generally getting a feel for the promoters and other operators in the area. Concurrent to getting Quangodelic off the ground, what was, I suppose, your take on getting acclimated to the wider scene in Cork? Well, the thing about Cork is there are some really, really, really good like, good DJs in the, in the, in the town. Like, and big love goes out to all of them. Uh, but I never, cons- I never thought that I'd be able to get any gigs DJing, so I didn't go looking. And, like, I kind of have started to now. But, like, the point was, I've always been, like, really into all sorts of other stuff other than what I'm doing. And I love drum and bass, and I love dubstep, and I, well, I, I loved dubstep when it was still current. I mean, yeah. it's, like, all, I, I don't know where it's gone now, but, like... Pop. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, basically, Jet Lee's runs was running some really, really, really nice drum and bass nights down in the comedy club. And I kind of started going to those and got got really friendly with a lot of those guys. And and you know Brian's a, a, a total total dude, and he's got a night he's got a night on on the twenty second as well. He's playing in uh, the uh, Spalpine Fornic. Is that how you pronounce it? On Spalpine Fornic. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. Uh, yeah, apologies, the English pronunciation is desperate. That's but like, right. do if you're not coming to see us, do go support him. He is an absolute legend. And this next tune is one that he did with Caliber, who's from Manchester, who is also a total legend of the liquid scene. And it's just such a, such an amazing tune. And I'd just like to sort of congratulate Brian on getting this together because it's just awesome. So do please give it your full support. Excellent. Uh, speaking of tunes coming up, you also have After Jet Li and Caliber will push through it. You have Quangodelic bandmate Eamon Avery in his in his electronic guise as Lyite. Lyite. That's how we've been pronouncing it on the show. Light. <laughs> uh, with topography of data erosion. Eamon has like really come on loads. I mean, when he first started doing all this stuff, it was just like dance music that you couldn't possibly dance to because it was way too, way too. Like it was everything but the kitchen sink. And Deconstructed so, club music. So, so totally matured over the last couple of years and I've got a massive amount of like respect for the guy and it's so nice to see him getting really good tunes like this together we'll get straight into it so first this is Jet Li and Calibre with Push Through It here on Red on Red
light with topography of data erosion here on Red on Red one fifteenth of Quangodelic playing this Friday night at the Kino doors open 8 o'clock free admission get your hands on Quangodelic's debut album on vinyl still joined in studio by Pat Allett of Quangodelic and before the jump we're talking a little bit about Quangodelic coming together forging those working relationships and the Cork City scene and what this kind of leads to is taking those ideas that were so kind of hard won and so intricately put together among that number of musicians and finally putting them down onto wax. This album has been a couple of years in the making now, hasn't it? It's so long making that we actually record most, recorded some of it at Camden Palace. Like, wow. Uh, yes. And like, uh, big love goes out to like Owen and all the Camden crew. It's the making of a lot of people in Cork City, myself included. Yeah. You know, a lot of us wouldn't have had our radio careers without Room 101, which is still going today, but was going from the Camden Palace. Yeah, no, as well, no. And that studio and all of the historic gear that, you know, that they were able to, to, to bring in via various sources. Well, sure, that's where we met Ellie. Ellie was mm. actually on uh, Room 101, and I met her having a cigarette outside the Camden Palace. And I said, do you want to sing in the band? And she said, yes. And someone said to me, like, it, you know that singer in your band that looks like Annie Lennox? And, like, you Gee. know exactly <laughs> who you mean straight away. Sorry for that, Ellie, but, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've, like, it's it's been brilliant having Ellie. Cause, like, and we've got, like, Deborah on vocals now as well, who's not quite as tall as, as Ellie. And, like, when you've got the two of them on stage together, yeah. the, the comedy possibilities are huge. You know? But having met Ellie at Room 101 and being around the Camden, the album starts at the Camden. Yeah, it started at the Camden. Like, basically, the song Be Yourself, like, uh, basically, as I was walking out of one of the recording sessions, uh, there was a, a sign on the wall that said, Be Yourself, because everyone, like, you know, because everyone else is taken. And it was, it was, it was one of those kind of moments. And that was, ooh. And then that whole song came sort of pretty much from that. So it's all. And that's the thing, it's like, the thing about Camden is it was really inclusive, it was really open, and they were like, and it's, that's kind of what we do too. Unfortunately though, a lot of kind of uh, hoarding and, you know, a little bit of a gold rush happening regarding property at the minute, uh, causing the Camden Palace to eventually shut down. And, and it's not just the Camden, there's a lot of spaces. There has gone. been, we've lost sample, we've lost the print shop. Uh, on an unrelated matter uh, even recently we're after losing the sextant which is uh, to be used as part of the developments happening uh, on that key yeah and we were playing in the sextant so like that would have been you know I would have been onto them to get back to doing monthly in the sextant mm. like after the after the lunch out of and, that big deck yeah it was great fun playing out there when it wasn't raining <laughs> that's the issue you see yeah there was one legendary night where it was absolutely slinging it down with rain and we're playing out the back and, uh, you know, and the, the, the audience were under this big square umbrella. So there's this big square of audience bouncing up and down underneath the umbrella. And there's us, like, some of us, most of us are kind of covered by the, by the overhang. But, like, the, the poor old horn section are stuck out in the rain, getting oh. completely drenched. And there's a photograph of Aaron, like, a sort of a drenched dog or something, looking, like, absolutely wet through. Which was, it was a very, 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 I'm gonna really miss the Sexton. It was a, such a good venue. They had so many amazing DJs playing up there. They, had they, they, they did all sorts of amazing stuff and we're gonna miss them. The closure of the Camden Palace 
of course, means that you have to take recording elsewhere. Aside from herding 10 to 15 cats around the place, you now have to deal with finding a new studio and kind of making all of these elements that you'd already put together work in a coherent fashion. Where did you go next and what was the process like of taking those ideas over? Well, it's just really, the thing is these days, because like when you've done the recording, the tricky thing is always getting drums down. So all, all the drums were already recorded in the Camden. Then it was a case of getting the vocalists in one at a time or three at a time or whatever into my place, which was, uh, I'm not Mr. Tidy. So like, it's like there's a tangulation of wires and, and people trying not to trip over wine bottles or whatever. Uh, yeah, my, one of my hobbies is actually making wine. And I As opposed brought, to just consuming wine. Yeah, yeah. And I brought <laughs> you a bottle to, you know, by way of, uh, uh, a gift. For, oh, thank you. You know, uh, but anyway, uh, the point is that like we we recorded a lot of it at my house, and that was that was grand because like when it's just a few horns or whatever, you can do it there. We also recorded a, a heap of stuff in the rehearsal room that we're using at the moment, which is now okay, like sort of sound wise because we've put baffling around the wall or whatever it is you're supposed to do. I'm sure it's fairly baffling working with you anyway. Boom, boom. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it it, it took ages, but like it took ages because like various bits and bobs got in the way of getting the actual album out. I mean, the album was actually ready to roll like last January, mm-hmm. like a full year ago. But like various things kind of happened, and things in Cork have a habit of taking whatever time they take. Yeah, and, yeah. Don't we all know it? Yeah, yeah. So that's fine. But we're there now. We got it out. And I am so pleased with it. It's the actual, like, we got it mastered in London. Darren did a brilliant mix. Uh, and it's, and the, the guys from Dublin uh, Vinyl have Dublin done Vinyl. an amazing job. It's, it's proper 180 gram. I mean, I, most of you probably won't understand any of this. This will be like people talking about sort of, computer programming you'd but be like, surprised the amount of the, the amount of casual people picking up vinyl now again off the back of the vinyl revival that's happened well yeah no there are an awful lot of us like uh, vinyl nerds out there and, and uh, vinyl casuals and vinyl casuals uh, but this is actually a really nice quality uh, pressing well, Dublin vinyl are a pressing plant that's in based in Dublin and they are getting lots and lots of work because they've got ridiculously up to date I, I, I'm not a complete expert but people who know about these things will tell you that the equipment that they're using for doing the pressing is absolutely of the moment costs them an absolute fortune and it works really 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 well but they're passing on the benefits of the technology by allowing for short runs which is in turn affordable for independent artists like yourselves not only yourselves I was talking with Kathy Davey for the Echo and she was singing their praises for the physical pressing of her live record as well and Bitch Falcon uh, one third Corkonian uh, grungers got their EP uh, cut I think it was one of Dublin Vinyl's first productions last year so I mean, word is getting out there and they're providing that bottom line of a physical, tangible thing at a cost that is attainable to independent Irish artists. Yeah, and they, they've done a really good job on ours and I, I'm horribly tempted because they do seven inches as well. Oh. I used to love getting like seven inch singles. So like it's, well, if we sell enough of these, like, maybe, maybe. Ooh. So yeah, if, if you'll go out and buy this one, you never know what will happen. Listening back to the product and everything that's kind of gone into it, 
How do you feel about the album now as a finished piece of music? It's I every time I listen to it I kind of realize how you know how lucky I am to have this particular group of people together. I mean I was I was listening to like TV one of the tunes on it like yesterday when I was doing the radio show and noticed Actually speaking of your radio show uh do you want to maybe give your own show a shout out before we discuss the rest of it? Uh yeah, I I do a show on Room 101 uh, called The Funk, The Whole Funk and Nothing But The Funk every Monday night from 8 till 10. Do please join me. It's it's available online on room101radio.eu. Uh yeah, I, so I'm listening to TV, which is one of the tunes on the album, and I noticed in the middle eight what the tram- tambourine player has had done and it was like woo because it, it's something really peculiar that like you wouldn't normally think of doing. And like every now and again you'll hear some of the backing vocals or the, you know or some of the some of the like little details and it's it's brilliant it's it's great to listen back because there's so much stuff that while we were doing it I hadn't really spotted that like when you listen back later on comes to you. I think it's a really 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 solid piece of work and I'm very proud of it. And I think we did a great job. We're going to hear a little bit more from the record in a wee while, but first we have some more tunes, including yet another piece of your own involvement as a sessioner. First, though, uh, we have music from the legendary Stump with Buffalo. Oh, Mick was such a total legend. I saw them in the Leadmill, and like I was a massive, massive fan of Stump way before I got to Cork. He is a total genius. The bass player is amazing. Uh, I know he, the bass player is not from Cork, and the guitarist isn't from Cork, but the drummer and the singer are, and they are absolutely an amazing band. If you haven't heard these people, listen to all of it because it's all amazing. Uh, you were involved in the creation of Reggae Outfit, The Light Runners. Uh, debut EP and this is the title track from saying this is War and Migration I was lucky enough to be involved in this and I'd just like to shout, uh, send a shout out to Daniel um, the guitar player on here unfortunately he's developed uh, muscular dystrophy uh, recently uh, I used to work for a guy who had muscular dystrophy as a care assistant so I'm well aware of the condition and what it means and I know that this that poor old Daniel is not going to be playing guitar anymore. He was the best guitar player I have ever heard, and it is a total crying shame that he's not going to be able to play anymore. He's but an experienced session musician in his own right as well. He played in bands in the Congo. He was a big star in the Congo, absolutely. And I mean, like when you hear them playing, when you heard him playing the African stuff, it was amazing. I mean, it's all that sort of jingly, happy, happy, major scale African stuff. Like, but that's also very technically proficient as well. Oh, like no, I mean, he is just he w- Sorry, is he was uh, an amazing guitar player. He is a lovely human being, and I want to send send my love out to him from here. Unreal. We'll get straight to it. So this is Stump with Buffalo here on Red on Red. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. 
with War Migration here on Red on Red just before we wrap up Pat ahead of the gig on Friday at the Kino doors 9 o'clock admission free for a Quango Delix album launch uh, is there any kind of other plugs or shout outs that you want to give related to the event no just come the Kino uh, from 8 o'clock and we will be delighted to play for you we've got albums we've got t-shirts we've got badges we've got all sorts of merchandise and I'm very excited about the whole thing and I'm very very pleased with the album and I would be delighted to see you all at the keynote on Friday 
from 8 o'clock. Is there any uh, support slots or anything booked or is that just yourself? I hadn't really thought about it, to be honest. I think what we're going to do is bring some decks in and actually just play the album end to end. Uh, so a, li- <laughs> a massive listening party inside of that uh, cinema yeah, room inside. Totally. That'd be class. That about wraps it up for this week's episode of Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast from Red FM and RedExtra.ie. Thank you very much to DJ Expat, Pat Hallett. See you later, people. And thank you very much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on Apple and Google Podcasts. Hit follow on Spotify, as well as track us down on all of your favourite podcasting platforms. Please share this on your social media and make sure to check out the artists featured online or at an upcoming gig. And if you'd like more Irish tunes, please be sure to listen in to Green on Red on Sunday night with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish on Cork's Red FM, 104 to 106. Um, we got one more cut from the Quangodelic album uh, to finish the show. Absolutely. This one's called Civilised. This is the one that everybody seems to love the best. And it's the one I love. And it's the one we always save till last. So uh, look forward to playing it to you on Friday. Excellent. This is Quangodelic with Civilised. This has been Red on Red. And we'll talk to you next week.
My, that's my announcer voice from the old station. No, no, no. no you have got a pro announcer's voice. You should be doing adverts for the cinema, you know, like they used to. In a world. <laughs> Actually not. Um, 